charge what the market's worth. So let's say the market's $500, right? And you're, you'll say, well, I haven't got the experience, I haven't got the clients, blah, blah, blah. So you convince yourself that you're at 250 or 300 or whatever it may be. I'm saying, no, set the price at 500. Now, what you might say to a client is, look, um, you know, this is a pilot program or, or something, words that effect. So therefore, I'm going to um, give a discount off my normal rate uh, because of that and call it a founder's fee. So it's not a discount, it's more of a founder's offer. Hi, my name is Vindya V. This is Art of the Extraordinary, the podcast for those of you who's ready to play a much bigger game and leave an extraordinary legacy behind. I'm glad you're here and it's time to make your quantum leap. Hey you guys, this is Vindya, a high performance coach and I help build high performing teams that makes you look great. Every week I bring on guests who have done pretty extraordinary things in the world. And my mission is to dig deeper in a quest to find out what has made them different. But before I jump into the episode, let me ask you this question. How would you like to create a business that is built around your life? Well, today I have the opportunity to speak with Paul Higgins, who is building a global community helping corporate SKPs to run a lifestyle business. After a stellar executive career at one of the most recognizable brands on the planet, i.e. Coca-Cola, Paul faced a decision of either staying and risking his health or leaving and extending it. So he chose the latter and started his own company. He became a well-qualified coach, advisor to blue-chip companies and a productivity expert. While he liked corporate, he had a great desire to work with entrepreneurs and founded an outsourcing and a tech consulting business to deliver extraordinary results for global clients. But because his health started to take its toll, he divested the outsourcing business and created a mastermind for employees transitioning into entrepreneurship. Leveraging from his own experience, today he helps corporate SKPs to build their dream business without sacrificing their lifestyle. He is a community owner, podcaster and a tech evangelist who is passionate about thriving with an inherited condition. So without a further ado, let's jump into our episode. Paul, welcome to the show. For those of our audience who don't know about you can you please tell us a little bit about you and the journey that you have been through yeah so look i came fresh out of university uh, not ever wanting to work for the company that i worked for for 18 years so um <laughs> i did marketing and accounting at uh, at university and always worked for a company called coca-cola through my uni uh, my father had actually worked there or was working there and I vowed that I'd never work there, and, and they vowed the same because they didn't believe in uh, children or siblings getting jobs. So um, I basically said, I'm travelling overseas, and they said, um, look, we're desperate for sales reps. Just do it for three months, and um, then you can go and do what you really want to do. And, um, you know, it was funny. My father worked for one of the best and companies in the world but it didn't seem like that as a kid like it it was you know it's yeah so um once i started working there i realized the opportunities was a great company and uh yeah i stayed there for 18 years i guess coca-cola is one of the biggest companies that you can work for and they have been around for a very long time so i'm guessing from from seeing your father work there um, did that have some influence in your making your decision into working there or was it something else? 
Look, I think uh, I always want to stand on my own two feet. So with Dad being there, I didn't want to be seen like I was, you know, uh, being given a job. So that was probably one of the key reasons why I didn't want to work there. But when I did, um, mobile phones had just hit the Australian market. And um, the company, I said, you know, can I get a mobile phone? I could see how it would add benefit. And they said no, because we'd have to give it to everyone else. So anyway, I went and bought a mobile phone. I then used that phone to tell my customers to call me. So a call might be, you know, 80 cents in the old days. But I said, look, um, you know, you'd only have to sell one more bottle of Coke to recover that. And as soon as the stock arrived, I could be there. So I used that to get exceptional results and I got promoted really quickly and then sort of found my own two feet. But yeah, my first reservations was I don't want to be seen as if it's a job for the boys, so to speak. So since you've been, you've worked in Coca-Cola, the place where you are at right now, it's quite different. Can you please tell us a little bit about that journey? Because I think that is a massive leap and a lot of people dream about it. A lot of people do it successfully or not successfully. Just tell us a little bit about how that journey has been. Yeah, so um, back in, when I was 18 actually, I was, uh, my mother had a, a major health issue and we found out there's a family history of um, kidney condition, chronic kidney disease. So at 18, I, I knew I had it, but it was sort of in the back of my mind. So I worked really hard through corporate, you know, worked ridiculous hours, traveled the world, all the things that you do in corporate. And then, um, you know, in the back of my mind, I always thought, look, one day I'll start my own business, but I'd get a promotion every two years. And I was like an entrepreneur within Coke. So I was always given, you know, amazing opportunities. So it ticked along, but in 2011, 2010-11 my specialist said look your kidney conditions got to a position if you continue to work in the environment you are and the way that you're working you'll probably have failure in two years so you know it was a pretty easy decision for me then to say well look do I have my kidneys fail in two years or do I try to find another way and the other way was to leave work for myself and you know successfully I did that and and you know I'm getting a transplant I don't know when this show's going live but it's for me, as we're recording it, it's next week. So, I, you know, it's it's been eight years wow. that I've, uh, you know, slowly seen the illness impact my life. I've been on dialysis. Now I'm about to have a kidney transplant. But the great thing is that it hasn't changed my work. So, you know, making that decision back in 2011 to leave has been the best decision because now I'm in complete control. So I can sit in di dialysis, still work, help people around the globe, but not be restricted to you've got to be on a plane at you know 6 a.m. or you've got to be in a meeting or, or whatever corporate uh, was. So I, f I find it's been uh, brilliant, but you know, there was sort of three things, I suppose, in summary. There was my kidney condition, which was a real key driver. The other one was sugar. So, you know, I, I just felt uncomfortable working for a company that, you know, was one of the biggest causes of kidney disease in the world. 30% of people with kidney disease it's because of diabetes and most of those is because of sugar and Coke is a big component of that. So I sort of felt like I was working for the devil a little. And then the third one was my own business that I really always wanted to run my own business. So I'm, um, you know, the more that companies become, uh, the world becomes flatter. I think in corporate, the less decisions you get to make locally. So that entrepreneur part started to diminish and I thought, well, now I can really make more decisions for myself and back myself if I've got my own business. So that was sort of the three key drivers. Mm. Well, it, it feels to me a little bit like, you know, it's almost as if your body was kind of giving you a chance to actually go out and do what you really wanted to do for so long. Yeah, look, it, um, 
you know, definitely felt that way. And, and I suppose the other theme here is family. Like I used to have a daily reflection that I read every day and uh, I'm a big uh, component of um, lover of Franklin Covey. So actually when I left Coke, I was a facilitator for them. But, you know, Stephen Covey had this thing of coming up with your daily habits. You know, what what what's your mission in life? What are your values? What are your behaviours? And I'd read that in corporate and I'd just think, you know, I'm not living them. Like <laughs> I want to be this person but I'm being this person. And it was no one's fault. It just was what it was. So now I can actually look in um, look at that every day and say, well, I'm actually living to that. And, you know, a lot of people have a near-death experience and think, oh, wow, I should do something different. And, and my surgeon in the last operation said I just survived. I just pulled through. I sort of had that feeling of leaving and, you know, it, it was a bit surreal. But um, when I woke up, I thought, you know what, I don't want to change anything. I'm actually doing what I'm doing. But I think if I was back in corporate, I would have said, well, you know, I've got to change it. Yeah, that's amazing. And look, you're doing amazing work at the moment. So tell us a little bit about what your brand does and what um, what kind of people you help out right now. Yeah, so the brand's called Build, Live, Give, and it's a global community for corporate escapees. So people like myself that were uh, employees and now they're turned into entrepreneurs. And I think you're one of those as well, Vindra. Is that right? Yes, I am. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, great. Yeah, so so it's really created for, for people like uh, you and I and, and other people listening out there where I spent five years going around in circles. You know, I did everything possible not to be successful. And, um, you know, that was hard looking at my wife each month saying, I promise you this amount of money and I still can't deliver it or saying to the kids, you know, we can't do this. We can't do that. I had to adjust my lifestyle because I wasn't earning the money that I, I had money. I was very successful in corporate, but I didn't want to touch that. I wanted to keep that. And then I wanted to stand on my own two feet. It's a bit, I suppose, uh, I'm a bit pig headed like that. It was a bit like when I started at Coke. So, um, yeah, I, I, and, you know, I just did so many things that uh, I wish I hadn't have done. And they were learnings. And everyone says learnings are great, but they are. But it took five years. So what I really want to do now is help people be more successful, whatever success means to them. It's not always money, but be more successful within a shorter period of time. And and there was no community I could find globally that supported people like you and I. So that's why I created uh, Build, Live, Give. struggle for five years and uh, trust me uh, I know how this feels and I know how my clients feel about this as well now what changed after that five years like how did things shift for you yeah so the the simple thing is I joined a mastermind so I, I joined a, a mastermind run by a guy in Australia and that really shifted it uh, I think my health had got worse I was running a advisory business I was running an outsourcing business and I was running a tech business. And to be honest, none of them were quite where I wanted them to be. So with good uh, mentoring from the person that was running the mastermind, I ended up just doubling down on two. I sold off the outsourcing business and then I really just made things simpler. And I, I set up a mastermind just like I was in. And in July 2016, I spent eight weeks in Europe with my family having the trip of our lifetime before I couldn't travel anymore and I ran this mastermind and it, uh, I thought that's that's what I'm here to do. Um, so that was the 
real pivotal change around that five-year mark for me. Well, I guess that's a, that's a really, really important point because I think a lot of people who is leaving the corporate world to go and build their own thing, I think a lot of us don't realize the learning curve that's ahead of us because we think that, okay, we've been up on a ladder to a certain level and we think that we're just going to jump at the same level on a different ladder, but it's actually not the case. You usually jump to a very bottom of a ladder that you have a massive learning curve to go through. So I guess that's what you were referring to and that's why you're helping your people with now. Yeah, and and it's, you know, a lot of things that you learn running your own business, as you know, that they're not in a textbook. And and I think these days, unfortunately, there's so much content out there that you can drown in your own research as well. So, you know, it's it's difficult. So for me, I finally went to someone that gave me really good insight, gave me good structure, and it sort of crystallized all my learnings and made it simpler. But I realized that the people in that group weren't like me. So a lot of them were trying to run eight, nine, ten-figure online businesses. You know, they may not have been family-orientated. They just had different values and had a different background to me. So that's when I thought, well, look, I love the mastermind, but maybe I could do it for people more like me who are normally family orientated, um, you know, have had a really successful corporate career, but now it's time to, to do things on their own terms. Mm. Um, going back to the, the mastermind idea, I think I see, I agree with you when you said that there's a lot of content out there, there's a lot of information and I see a lot of people who's doing masterminds as well and sometimes I get confused. So for anyone who's interested, like what would you say is like some of the good things to look at in a mastermind um, that you would go and say, yep, that's a, that's actually a, a good one and I agree with how, how it's been run. Like what are the qualities of a mastermind that people should look out for yeah look and i suppose i'll answer it by saying what we do because it's sort of you know um i've taken best practice from around the world so i've been in lots of them etc so if i sort of summarize it i think the first thing is that someone should really get to know you and your business so i think that goes without saying but you know having a really good diagnostic and and working out where you are and most importantly where you want to be and what are the key challenges that get in the road? So I think that's really important. And out of that should form a plan. So we have uh, what's called the five rapid growth drivers. I'm just about to launch a book on those. And, you know, we set that plan around those. Then it's the, you know, the frequency of the meetings. So for me, in our meetings, we have, you know, your biggest win and your key learning for the week. And we go around and share that as a group. And then we go into one-on-one. -on -one. So one-on-one -on -one is where I'm the facilitator. So it might be someone else facilitating. But in mine, I facilitate and I ask, what's your one action from last week, your key challenge for the week? And then we go around the group and ask for experience, not opinions. And I think mm. what happens in a lot of masterminds, it becomes more social and people give experience uh, opinions. Whereas, you know, if you don't have direct experience, you know, don't comment. And I think that's why it's important because a lot of people in in you know our group because it's like-minded the coaches thought leaders it, it it's similar experiences so uh, they share those and then the accountability piece is well what's the one thing you're going to do next week and when you turn up you've got to you know say what that is so I think that's a really good framework and then the post what I do is um, when someone mentions something and if we can't answer it on the actual mastermind I then link a resource to it so I'll go and find a resource 
and you know i've sort of got a like a google for business i've got so much knowledge i've collected through podcasts and and other things that i've um, curated it all and then i put it into the minutes so it becomes very action orientated so i don't go to someone and say hey you know go and listen to this hour podcast to get this two two minutes i go no this is exactly what you've got to do who who to listen to or the other key one is the right expert. So we've got 170 vetted experts where you can say, hey, I need a graphic designer. I need a, 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 a mindset coach. I need a, you know, a website developer, whatever it is. And we can say, well, look, here's someone we've used, we've vetted, they've got a good NPS score, the community said they've right, and then you could use them, which I think makes a really big difference. So I think they're the things that, that we do in our mastermind, which I think sets it apart from some others. But to be honest, you know, I'm a bit like, um, I'm not saying I'm like Steve Jobs, but as you know, with Steve Jobs, he was always innovating off other people's experiences. That's what I did. I, I went to some of the best masterminds and innovated to get to that model. Coming from the experience that you had in Coca-Cola, um, and being there for 18 years, obviously, you know, got you a lot of experience in different angles. What would you say are the experiences and the lessons that you brought in to building your own business? Yeah, look, I think the first one is um, they had a saying, think global, act local. And on a, I think, um, you know, some people I see, they get so caught up in in you know the geography they're in and they look at it from you know i'm going to service this geography whereas today i think there's never been a better time to service people globally in your particular niche so i really like that um think think global act local i think the other thing is around that balance of strategy and implementation because i think you know a lot of people leave corporate where it's more strategic and you're more thought-based but in your own business you've actually got to get stuff done so I think, you know, having that balance of those two, I think is uh, really important. That's probably the second one. And Coke, you know, Coke, what I loved is we'd sit in a board meeting and talk about the, you know, the next 20-year vision for the company. And then that afternoon, we'd be out facing up bottles in a milk bar, as an example. So you always mm. had that, you know, top to bottom, which I think is really important. Uh, the next one is around research. So making sure that you're really understanding your consumer or your client and the Coke company were brilliant at that. And, you know, I think that could be carried through. Often what I see is people coming up with their own solution and then trying to sell it. And that's so much harder than actually listening to your, you know, building an audience, listening to their pain points and delivering on that. I think it's a, a lot better. So those are some of the, the key things. And the last one I'll mention is just around, you know, using experts so the coke company didn't try to do everything in-house so the coke company actually had bottlers so the coke company did the branding they did the strategy but the bottlers did a lot of the other stuff so if you take that model into a small business you can apply the same thing so for me i know i've got to do client work i've got to do sales i've got to do podcasting and i've got to do linkedin they're the four things that are really going to make a difference in my business and then all the rest i have a team in the philippines that does that for me and I see a lot of business owners trying to wear too many hats and not getting experts or not building a team to take off the stuff that is not what they love to do or maybe repetitive to do the things that they really love to do. Because we all get 24-7, so it's not about finding more time. It's around how you prioritise your time. 
One of the questions that um, I get a lot is, which is a fair enough question, it's the question about the chicken and the egg. So when you want to outsource the things that you don't want to do or you're not great at, um, one of the things that a lot of people face is that you are, you know, stretch on cash or how much, you know, money you have to spend on uh, other people or hiring. Um, so how would you say that somebody should go about, um, you know, getting around, you know, outsourcing so then you get to use your time to the best? Yeah, look, and, and there's people have got different uh, experiences. I think most of our audience hopefully have um, and your audience listening today have got a bit of a nest egg. So I say just invest a bit of that nest egg in yourself. So I still think the best way to make money in the world is actually to run your own business and be in control. So maybe you take a little bit of money and you tip that in. So I borrowed money from you know our personal into business. I made sure that it was a loan. It was set up right. I had you know, no different to a bank. But it was I was lending myself money, or my wife in this case was lending me money. So that that's probably the first thing to get ahead. The other one is just the opportunity cost. So you know everything that you might be worth a hundred dollars an hour that you're doing that's worth fourteen is actually costing you. And a lot of people don't look at their effective hour rate. So how many hours you're working versus the money you're getting, and time is not free. You know, so people just say, oh well, I might as well do it because I'm not paying myself anything and it's like well actually you need to because the flip side of owning your own business is that if something happens to you that you're very uh, vulnerable so what you want to do is take money out of the business so that you can actually invest it in other assets that aren't relying upon you so whether that's shares super you know whatever you want to do but but i think um you know that opportunity cost is probably something that not a lot of people look at uh, well enough mm. That's a, that's a, a really, really get great point because I think a lot of people consider their own time to be free and it's actually not. And that's where a lot of people go wrong. Um, talking about uh, from your experience in, in coaching other people in the mastermind as well, um, what do you see as like common mistakes that people make in starting their own business or even growing their own business coming from the corporate world? Yeah, look, I think one of the key things is, um, you know, I'll reinvent the wheel. So, um, I, you know, I'm a very smart person. I've done very well in corporate. So, you know, I don't need help. I can just do this myself. And uh, I'm talking about myself here because that was definitely me. You know, <laughs> I, I just thought look, this is going to be, yes, everyone else says it's hard, but I'll just, you know, this is going to be easy for me. And it really wasn't. So I think if I had got help and not try to do as much by myself, at the start, that would have definitely helped. The other thing is, you know, really running your own business is about getting an offer that converts. That's the most important thing. So a lot of people spend time on things that don't really move the needle. So I had a conversation with someone recently is, you know, should I use, you know, I'm going to go research Apple versus PC versus using Outlook 365 or whatever. I'm like, hang on, that's not the best use of your time. Just go <laughs> Google and Apple right? Because that's the best thing for small business. And then spend your time researching your target audience as to what they want. That's where you should be spending your time and actually asking people if they'll pay money, not what computer I should have. And then that sort of list goes on to, you know, I'll go and build my own website or I'll go and do this, or I'll go and do that. And it, that's all time that takes you from getting an offer that converts. 
Yeah, I, I think it goes back to the point where you, you would you touched before, which is about actually you know researching and knowing who your target market is and what do they actually want, rather than coming up with a solution and try to fit uh, um audience to the solution, right? Yeah, definitely. And you know, I did that. I'm I'm an ideas guy, right? So I've got <laughs> millions of ideas, and every day I've got a new idea. And and you know, and I often fell in the trap of because it was me, like when I realized, oh, I'm actually building a community for me, I know all the answers, but I'm I'm a huge tech guy, so I run a tech company as well, I love technology, so I thought everyone should be great with technology, so I was so close to my own business that I didn't realize that most of my thought leaders, you know, coaches and consultants, they actually don't know how to use technology, so, you know, the solutions I was giving them weren't matching them where they were in their journey. So I think it's really important to meet people where they are rather than where you think they are. What would you say is the best advice and the worst advice that you've ever been given in transitioning to having your own business? Yeah, look, I think the best advice that I was given is to build an audience, then figure out what their pain points are, which we've just been talking about, and then, you know, go and really research that and take the time to to work on that. I think, you know, that Coke company where they used to research their consumers before they launched a product, no different for you. So I think that is probably the, the biggest lesson uh, and advice that I got. Unfortunately, I got it a bit too late so I wish I had got that in year one not until the year four but that's been the biggest change for me in my business. Mm, that's such a golden nugget. After you left the corporate world um, I'm guessing that you've had to pick up uh, skills different skills that you didn't have before and you may have to have even change your approach in doing things. Um, what has been your experience and what have you had to change or learn or shift um, to make things happen for you now? Yeah, look, I think one is around, um, you know, if uh, progress, not perfection. I think that's a big one. So, you know, in the Coke company, they were a brilliant company around 126 years, you know, had very smart, intelligent people. And, you know, you always had to make sure you're 100% right in a way. You know, it was uh, a very um, cr a critical environment in, in some ways. And what I realized is, you know, you don't have to be a perfectionist in your own business. Actually, that's going to harm you. So you just got to let some things go. And uh, I really struggled with that for a long time. So that would be definitely one. I think the other is join the right community that we've talked about. So be surrounded by people and get advice from people that have gone before you. Don't try to, to do it all uh, by yourself. And the other one is, you know, get uh, experts. So get people that can help you. If someone does something every day, they'll get better at it as a general rule, just like you. So if you're really good at coaching, like you are, just do the coaching, but don't go out and try to build your own website. Don't go out and try to build your own Facebook campaigns, you know. Just have experts that do that, and I think that's the way that you can uh, grow or scale a lot faster. From your experience with uh, working with entrepreneurs or wannabe entrepreneurs, um, what would you say are the biggest challenges that hold them back? You may have touched on a, a, on a couple of them already. 
Yeah, look, I think um, one of the big biggest ones is mindset. I don't know, it's a bit of a buzz term at the moment. <laughs> but but I, but I think it's, um, you know, most people undercharge, right? So th- they think, um, you know how I talked about not really understanding where someone is? Most people think, well, you know, this is pretty obvious to someone else what I know. And in most cases, it's actually not. You know it that well, you're too close to it. So I think one of the key things is making sure that you're charging right. And that's having the right mindset that you're actually going to help someone. So if you're going to get someone a result, then you're going to help someone. Then you should be actually out there talking about it. So a lot of people say, I don't like, you know, come from corporate. I've never sold before. I don't I don't like selling, you know, all of these um, limiting beliefs that come up around mindset. So I think it's definitely critical to get that mindset right and realizing that selling is actually finding out where someone is finding out where they want to be and helping them get there as quick as they can and if you can't then move on i think the other key lesson is um who you spend your time with so you know i think um, a lot of people spend time having chats and conversations where it's not going to go anywhere and i was a classic at this you know I just thought I had all this freedom. So I just spent all this time talking to people. But, you know, I didn't have a good qualification process. I didn't have a 15-minute qualification, a very specific sales call. And, you know, even though I knew how to sell, I didn't know how to sell to small business owners. So I think getting that right is also something that is really, uh, really important. And the third thing is around, um, you know, technology. I think a lot of people say, look, I'm just overwhelmed by technology and I, I prefer just, uh, not to deal with it um, and then there's some others that probably use too much and which you know I could be gu- guilty of at times but I think just making sure that you're using the right technology so I think having a virtual assistant is an essential for business and if you have the right technology set up you can uh, leverage that and you know we've done a lot to work out what is the best technology set so it makes it easy for people but I, I, I don't think in today's age you can ignore technology. Yeah, I, I think going back to the point that you made about um, charging the right amount, I think uh, I, in my experience, a lot of people tie up how much they're charged to how much they, they're worth. So they mm. tie the, both them up about my worth, worthiness. And I think that is just a rabbit hole that a lot of people go down and you cannot come out of it. Um, what's your experience with that? Yeah, no, look, I, I totally agree. And what I say to people is, charge what the market's worth. So let's say the market's $500, right? And you're, you'll say, well, I haven't got the experience. I haven't got the clients, blah, blah, blah. So you convince yourself that you're at 250 or 300 or whatever it may be. I'm saying, no, set the price at 500. Now, what you might say to a client is, look, um, you know, this is a pilot program or, or something words that effect. So therefore I'm going to um, give a discount off my normal rate uh, because of that and call it a founder's fee. So it's not a discount. It's more of a founder's offer. So you do that. And then also you ask for other things in return. So, you know, a, a great testimonial because most of your work comes from referrals. And if you get great testimonials, when you get good results, it, it compounds, it becomes a snowball. So I think they're the type of things you can do, but, you know, don't go and say, well, I'm only worth half the market rate. Um, I, I don't think that's the case. You, you, you And also make sure you're constantly improving your, your price, lifting your price. Coke used to put up their price two, three times a year. And uh, I think, you know, most uh, coaches and consultants in particular just set a, set a price, leave it there, And, uh, you know, that's the easiest way to make more money is to sell to the same amount of people but charge more.
seem to be doing a lot of great stuff in your space. Now, how do you manage all of this with a health condition that you have? Like, how how do you manage it? Yeah, look, I think the, the first thing is really prioritising what are those four things. So that's the first thing. You know, I know my top four and I really focus on those. And we have a report each week. I, I um, track every 30-minute block. I work in 30-minute blocks. I track it in a tool called Toggle. And, you know, that helps me know that I'm spending time right. The second is having a fantastic team. So a shout-out to my team. Uh, they're all based in the Philippines, as I said. I'm getting someone based in Venezuela to work from, you know, Melbourne time from, you know, 10 o'clock at night until, you know, 9 in the morning. So I've basically got a team um, there that's working in the background all the time for me. So I think team's critical and, you know, I couldn't be happier with my my team. And then the the third thing is the use of technology. So I can effectively run my business from my smartphone from anywhere. So I sit on dialysis at the moment for, you know, roughly 20 hours a week and I can just work. You know, people don't need to know I'm sitting on a dialysis machine, but effectively I can run my business from my phone. So I think they're the things that have helped me work. You know, I work 30 to 40 hours a week. I spend, you know, 20 hours a week on dialysis. I'm always seeing specialists. And I'm also, you know, an active dad that I coach my, my kids' uh, sporting teams. I'm, I'm active in the community. So to manage all of that, I think, you know, I use those three key things. It sounds like you have a full plate. Yeah, look, it is, but I, I love it. You know, it's not as if it's work for me anymore. I think, um, you know, it's that old saying, if you, you love what you're doing, it, it it's not work. And I sort of I feel like that. And uh, also, I suppose, because of my health, it helps me take my mind off it as well, if I'm uh, nice and occupied. And I, and I love uh, having conversations like this. So, you know, is podcasting work? Well, classified as work, but to me, it's, it's something I love to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love it. Uh, it, it. That's actually quite true because sometimes, you know, when our family and friends ask, oh, what are you doing like on a, on a Saturday? And, you know, we give the answer work. One, it feels odd because it's actually not work. It's fun, but you don't know how to explain the whole thing to them. Um, and people don't understand. I, and I probably work a lot longer hours than I did in corporate, but I don't feel it because I love it so much. Yeah, true, true. And, and and I think, you know, as you build a team, so, you know, I think in the early years, yes, you'll you'll definitely work more than, than corporate, but it's more enjoyable work. You know, it's not the politics, it's not the travel, it's not all those things that you don't enjoy. So I think that's great. And then as you start to, to scale, you can start to get a team and you can start to reduce those hours. And, um, you know, for me, travel is, is something that I, I truly love. So post-transplant, I'll be able to travel again. And, you know, to, to run a business that doesn't miss a beat when you're traveling, I think that's uh, that's wonderful. So, you know, where does work and, and personal stop? Like, it's a bit gray for me. The only thing I am getting better at is not working at night. So I, I find it really easy to sit on my phone. I did a, a post on LinkedIn recently. Uh, about this where um, I was you know, going to sit on the phone with my dad while we are watching TV. He doesn't visit me that often. They live in the country. And uh, I said, no, what what would he love to do? So I put down the phone and went and got an ice cream. And I think, you know, sometimes you got to just turn off as well and have those um, real connection moments. Mm, 
I think it it goes back to the point that you touched about having good habits, right? Setting your habits and and your routines and whatever you need to set up, set yourself up for for success, and not just from a business standpoint, but from a life standpoint. As you say, how do you fit in travel, and how do you fit in your family, and how do you spend the time that you want with your kids, and all of that comes into play. Yeah, and I don't think you're an either or. So I think you're an and, and and. You know, a lot of people say, "Look, I, I just can't be organised. I can't, I, I can't be disciplined." And what I'm, what I'd love you to think about is, no, look, I, I can always improve, right? So, you know, don't hold on to the past and let the past interrupt your present. So, you know, what are the little things that you can do to make a difference? And I've worked with lots of people that have said. No, sorry, I'm just fixed. That's the way I am. And and we've been really successful in in showing them that, no, there are some things that you can do that, that match your preference. So it's not trying to put my views onto you, but matching your preference to to help manage that because you don't have a boss. You know, we use the masterminds as accountability. It's great. But other than that, you're all on your own. So if you're working on the wrong things, you know, no one's really there to tell you. Whereas, and, you know, unless you've got a great coach like yourself, but if you don't and you're self-monitoring, um, um, which is really hard, you, you can get a bit lost. Mm. Well, uh, I want to just switch gears into a little bit about asking you about failures. Now, I don't yeah. really personally like that word because I think, you know, we learn from all, everything that happened at that or everything that we experience. But what is your philosophy um, in dealing with things that either, you know, it is a failure or either holds you back? Yeah, look, I, I think the first thing is that point I made earlier around, you know, don't reinvent the wheel. So if you know that somebody's done something and they've been successful and they've cracked cracked it, just learn from them. So, you know, there's a couple of key sites like Social Media Examiner do a great, great job around social media. So I just go and have a look at them. They've spent the best people in the world. So I go and look at what they do and then I tailor it for me instead of, you know, starting from absolute scratch. So I think that's the first thing. So you can mitigate some of the, the lessons that you're going to learn. And also, you know, asking people that have gone before you, I think once again, that starts to mitigate some of the risk. So you don't have to take as much risk. And then there's other things that, yes, you know, you will get wrong. So unfortunately, I've, you know, changed my name three times now, I think. And every time I do it, it's like, this is crazy, you know, but, but, <laughs> The things that I've learned. So if anyone ever came and said, change your name again, build, live, give, I would say no way. But, you know, I was a slow learner in that. So there, there are lessons you're going to learn. And, and to me, it's like a big highway. So, you know, you will take um, detours off that, but you just got to make sure that you've got someone guiding you back on the road. And you will learn from, from things, but you just don't want to learn from things that you could have avoided. Mm, I think that's one of the key things that a lot of people miss is that you know you wanna you wanna try to get it right the first time, but you will make all the plans and the strategies and everything in place. But that doesn't necessarily mean that you're gonna succeed 100% of the time all the time. Um, so I guess it's about learning. And yes, yeah, I, I understand the point that you you mentioned about changing the name, but that's I guess evolving. You're learning all the time, and you cannot guarantee that nothing is gonna change. And if we if we don't change well then we're not really going where we want to go right yeah and look and and i think you've got to have you know can everyone be an entrepreneur I, you know my view is not really like some people are actually much better staying in corporate because they like the consistency 
you know, they like, um, you know, basically getting, you know, told what to do in a way. Mm. You know, that that's what they like. And if you like that, stay there. If if you don't like that and you want freedom and you want to be your own person and your own boss and make your own decisions and live them and die by them, I think go and run your own business. There's you know it's never a better time to do it, but you will have lessons and some of them will be expensive. I picked an online provider that I thought was great out of the US, didn't do enough due diligence, left fifteen thousand dollars US later, just disappeared. Wow. So that was basically my my annual you know nearly my annual wage in the second year just disappeared. So you will make mistakes like that and you learn from them. And what what my learning turned into now is that I've got 170 vetted suppliers and experts around the world that if you come to me and say you want somebody, I'll give you someone that I know won't let you down. So I've leveraged off that learning to help others, but you will make mistakes like that and don't be too hard on yourself when you do. ask you was that if you were to go back to the beginning of your journey what would you change about how you did things look I, I you know I've mentioned a few times but I definitely get more support so peers I, I sort of still hung around people that didn't understand me you mentioned it mm. before where you know people you know they just haven't been in your shoes so I think hanging around people being in my shoes would be definitely one I think the other one is uh, taking some of that money and investing it into um, a virtual assistant as soon as you can. I think that helps free up for you to work on the right things. And I think the third thing is be really clear on what you're going to achieve. So for me, you're going to take twice as long and earn half as much. And if you start with that in mind, it will solve those problems. I promised my wife amount of money that I was never going to make, but I was overly confident. So, And that just led to whole lot of heartache that I didn't need to have because she would have accepted a number that was lower but once I put a number on the table that was locked in so I think it's really important to do that as the third thing. Mm. Well I guess uh, we just underestimate the learning curve and our own experience and our own journey because my journey is not equal to yours and your journey is not equal to anybody else's so the, you will learn a lot, but I guess we have to give time to learn and experience and evolve as a human being while we are on this journey as well. And the moment that we put limits around it saying, okay, I got to make money tomorrow, I got to make money next month, that itself, I guess, put a lot of boundaries around how creative you're going to be as well. And I'm sure you can speak to this. Yeah, it definitely. And, and you just don't want it to become a chore. Right. So, you know, I quickly went from this is the best time of my life to God, this is the hardest time of my life. And I think if you set the expectations right, get the help, you can avoid that roller coaster. You'll you'll go through a roller coaster, but the you know, the bottom won't be as great if you set the expectations up right. Mm. Well, having been through the journey that you are in right now and you're just getting started because you're building something amazing. What is one thing that you've learned about yourself throughout this entire process? Yeah, I think for me it's around resilience. That you know, you 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 know, you have it could be by the day, it could be by the hour. You'll have a 
you know, a, a fantastic win where, you know, you'll pick up a new client and it's great. And then the next phone call, you lose one of your biggest clients, you know, like it's, it's, it's just the roller coaster. And I think around that resilience is something. And for me, I suppose I've been doing it in both ways because, you know, I've had the resilience of running my own business, but I've also had the resilience of, you know, a lot of changes in my uh, personal life because of my health. You know, I used to be a keen cyclist. I can't ride now, I, you know. So th there's been a lot of things that I've had to compromise on um, over the last uh, eight eight years. And I think I've been really resilient through that process. And, um, you know, I think, you know, my surgeon couldn't have summed it up better. He said, if you weren't as fit and healthy as you were and I hadn't made the right decisions in November, I would no longer be here. So I think that resilience ended up paying off in the greatest gift I was ever given, which is uh, my life. So what's next, Paul? Yeah, so uh, post-transplant is uh, <laughs> where I'd really love to grow this community globally. So I think, you know, we've got some great masterminds. Uh, we've got a great format. It really works. But what I'd love to do is inspire others to to roll this out around the world. So I'd love to have um, local communities where people can meet with each other in person, but also be part of this online um, community and tribe as well. So that's um, what's next for Build, Live, Give. You know, the transplant is nothing to worry about and wish you all the best with that. Um, and uh, I would love to see that global community happening. That's that's amazing. I'm sure there's a lot of people in our audience who would want to be a part of that. Thank you so much, Paul, for being on the show. It was lovely having you and it was it was a good chat. Yeah, great. And look, if um. I've done a little uh, a download uh, for, for your listeners. So if they go to blgdownload.com, they can get uh, some tips on how you can get more thinking time. So it's basically, you know, how can you save two hours a day? And there's a, a um, three key killer tips there. So um, that's at blgdownload.com. Amazing. Thank you so much, Paul. I will make sure that I will include all the links in the show notes so then you folks get it. Um, Paul, other than that, how can anyone who is interested in what you do get in touch with you? Yeah, so they can just find out more at uh, buildlivegive.com and that's uh, live as in L-I-V-E. Great. Thank you so much, Paul. Again, lovely having you on the show. Thank you so much for everything that you shared. Brilliant. Uh, thanks, Vinda, for having me on. And also, uh, you know, I hope that the key thing here is if there's just take one thing, if you're listening to this, just take one thing to, to you know, work further towards your, uh, your you know, your whatever success is for you, that'd be brilliant. Well, there you go, folks. That is our episode for today. I hope you got lots out of it and learned lots from Paul's story. Please go and check out the show notes on www.vindyav.com. That is V-I-N-D-Y-A-V-E-E.com. And I will put down all the links and all the resources that Paul shared with us today. And you can always go back and look at the show notes because I will be doing a summary of the episode. So even if you didn't take notes, there you go. It is right there for you to go and reference. So... That will be a wrap for today. 
Until I meet you next week, have fun and keep at it in your extraordinary journey.